We meet today in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, looking at verse 1 to verse 11. The book of Ecclesiastes is a dramatic autobiography of King Solomon's life when he was away from God. As the book of Proverbs reveals Solomon's wisdom, the book of Ecclesiastes reveals Solomon's foolishness. This is not a book without rhyme or reason, not just a bunch of verses stuck together. It begins with the problem stated, all is vanity in this world. Then we will find that experiments are being made. Solomon will seek satisfaction through many different avenues in many different fields. He will try science, the laws of nature, wisdom, philosophy, pleasure, and materialism, as well as living for the now. He will explore fatalism, egotism, religion, wealth, and morality. Then in the final verses of the book, he will give us the result of his experiments. Now, my friend, keep in mind that the conclusions in each experiment are human, not God's truth. When he reaches those conclusions, they are human conclusions. This is a man under the sun. Do not misunderstand what is meant by inspiration now when we say that the Bible is inspired by God. Inspiration guarantees the accuracy of the words of Scripture, not always the thought that is expressed. Now, the context should be considered and attention paid to the person who made the statement and under what circumstances the statement was made. For example, in the betrayal of Christ by Judas Iscariot, the record of the events is inspired, but the act that Judas Iscariot did was not God-inspired. It was satanic. Also, the statements that Solomon makes while he is searching for satisfaction apart from God are not always in accord with God's thoughts. Inspiration guarantees that what Solomon said has been accurately recorded in the scripture, but not necessarily to promote his view of life. So what is the problem that Solomon has? Here it is stated. The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Ecclesiastes 1 verse 1. That description doesn't fit anyone except Solomon, as far as I can tell. David did have other sons, but Solomon was the only one who was king in Jerusalem. He is the philosopher here. We know that he had been given wisdom. And I think that the wisdom God gave Solomon was a little different from what we think it was. We imagine that he was given spiritual insight. But scripture does not tell us that he even asked for spiritual insight. He had prayed according to 1 Kings chapter 3 verse 9. Therefore, give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people, that I may descend between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? Apparently, God gave Solomon what he asked for. He asked for wisdom to rule. He was wise in political economy and probably he did a marvelous job of ruling the nation of Israel. 
He brought in an era of peace. Other nations of the world went there to study and to behold the wisdom of Solomon. He gave a testimony for God through the temple with the altar where the sacrifices was made for sinners. These were some of the things that the queen of Sheba even learned when she came from the ends of the earth. But in the area of spiritual discernment, Solomon had probably none. He did not have wisdom in the area of spiritual wisdom. Now we find Solomon away from God, launching out his experience, his experiments under the sun. The man under the sun is a great deal different from the child of God who has been blessed with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Ecclesiastes 1 verse 2. Now the Hebrew word Havel, translated divinity here, means vapor or breath. It is used 38 times in Ecclesiastes, 5 times in this one verse, and only rarely in all the rest of scripture. Uh, for example, in Job 27 verse 12. Now the word can refer to that which is transitory or fleeting, or that which is utterly futile. The point is that from an earthly perspective under the sun, life is temporary, life is insignificant, life is transitory, life is fleeting as a result of the entry of sin with its tragic consequences to mankind and the world. Life itself apart from God is absolutely empty, useless and vain. Actually, Romans chapter 8 verse 20 is the only New Testament allusion to Ecclesiastes. The word Havel was appropriately used as the proper name for Abel in Genesis chapter 4 verse 2, whose brief life was cut short by his brother's murderous hand. The word all here refers to all the activities of life. So what does the preacher say? All is vanity, and all is vanity here speaks of the emptiness of the activities of life apart from God. People without God waste life without any purpose or any goal and live like animals, even like birds. There are many people who live like that. Solomon in the book of Proverbs gives us gems of wisdom. In Ecclesiastes, he gives us bubbles, but not of wisdom, bubbles of folly. Then in the Song of Solomon, love is the subject. Wisdom, foolishness, and love. Solomon was an expert in all the three. He knew how to play the fool. He was wise in government, and his love life, by the way, it was quite a story. Solomon was the wisest of men, but no man ever played the fool more thoroughly than he did. He is the riddle of revelation, if you like. He is the paradox of scripture. The wisest man was the greatest fool. The book of Ecclesiastes reveals just this. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. This is talking about life without God. It is men walking and talking under the sun, 
trying to get something out of life. Now we will find that man is experimenting. He is going to squeeze the juice of life out of the dry rocks of the mundane existence down here on earth. Here Ecclesiastes opens with a poem on the endless cycle of life, observing nature. The book observes that nothing in the world really develops, nothing changes. There is nothing new under the sun that is anticipated and intimated in verse 9. How does your view of life compare with this one, my friend? The book has already stated that all of life is vanity, futile or frustration. Why? Because no individual is immortal. We work for rewards that we cannot enjoy. Generation follows generation. The earth turns, the sun rises and sets, the wind blows away, and that the rivers empty into the sea, but it is never full. And nothing ultimately satisfies. There is nothing new. No one learns from history, so all are condemned to repeat the foolishness of history. This is a sobering outlook on life, particularly when we read it in our day today. When technologies promise unprecedented opportunities, but the book of Ecclesiastes insists that in the end, the same basic patterns of life continue. Hopelessness when you view life simply from a human point of view. What profit has a man who owe his labor in which he toils under the sun? Ecclesiastes 1 verse 3. Now, the Hebrew word yitron here translated profit is a business term and it is found ten times in this book. The point is, what is left? Under the sun. The same statement comes here is very significant in the book. Occurring 29 times. It refers to life in this world and all that is involved in it. This is a characteristic phrase used by the preacher to indicate the earthbound perspective from which he has chosen to examine life as well as the earthbound sphere in which the ungodly have chosen to live their lives. The author has chosen to limit himself in the body of his work to that which can be known by experience and observation in order to demonstrate both his understanding of the human condition apart from God's revelation and the inadequacy of his perspective. The majority of the book is a view of life from below, a worm's eye view, if you like. His point will be that life in and of itself cannot supply the key to questions of meaning, purpose, and value. This can only come from God and must be accepted by faith. Let's keep in mind, this is under the sun. It is man's viewpoint. God is not giving his viewpoint here. So Solomon made certain experiments. Now let's look at the experiments that he made. His experiments comprise the body of the book actually extending from verse 4 of chapter 1 all the way to chapter 12 verse 12. 
Now the first thing he tries is in the realm of science. He makes a study of the laws of nature. It is interesting that Solomon tried this. Man today is still trying to go into the scientific fields to study and spend years. In fact, some spend a lifetime studying these laws of nature. This book is a remarkable one in giving us these laws of nature. So let's look at science to begin with. One generation passes away and another generation comes, but the earth abides forever. Ecclesiastes 1 verse 4. You see, the earth abides forever and has a stability that man does not have. Why? Because man is temporary. Contemporary man is a little different from the man of the past and probably he will be a great deal different from the man of the future. But whatever the differences may be, man is still temporary. The continuity of mankind is maintained through the birds. Most of us were not here a hundred years ago, and we will not be here a hundred years from today. In fact, many of us won't be around much longer. However, mankind will continue through succeeding generations. Solomon has noted, one generation passes away and another generation comes. My friend, man is a transitory creature. Looking at life in terms of this life only, man is the most colossal failure in God's universe. He has been around only a few years. Man is not what he thinks he is. It is actually futile for anyone to think that they are indispensable or that they will live forever. Now we see some very remarkable statements. Here is a revelation that Solomon made a study of the laws of nature and knew a great deal about them. It is quite interesting that these are basic in our day as far as science is concerned. Let us look at some of these items. Here is Ecclesiastes 1, verse 5 to verse 7. The sun also rises, and the sun goes down, and hastens to the place where it arose. The wind goes towards the south, and turns around to the north. The wind whirls about continually, and comes again on its circuit. All the rivers run into the sea, yet the sea is not full. To the place from which the rivers come, there they return again. Isn't this interesting? It is interesting that these accurate observations came from the days of Solomon. These verses show the harmony of scripture and the sciences. Note what verse 7 says. It is a poetic reference to evaporation and condensation, which Job 36.24 talks about. God himself authored the great laws of the universe. There are three very interesting statements that are in this particular passage, particularly verse 5 to verse 7. The first statement is that the sun also rises and goes down. You see, there is a monotony in nature, but also that which you can depend upon. You can count on the sun coming up and you can depend on it going down. 
We still use that terminology. Although we know that the coming up and the going down of the sun really is caused by the rotation of the earth. We are standing on a pretty solid piece of earth. And it looks to us as if the sun comes up and the sun goes down. The terminology has accommodated men in all ages. The amazing thing is the precise regular way that the sun appears and disappears. It is obeying certain laws. Second observation, the wind goes towards the south and turns around to the north. Now, today we know that the wind follows certain patterns. Even with our modern gadgets, we are not able to predict it well enough to forecast the weather as we would like to do. The Lord Jesus said the wind blows where it wishes. That is, it is blowing according to laws. And you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. Now, we can't tell where it is coming from and where it is going. The weatherman tells us that there is a low pressure here and a high pressure there. There is movement. Winds are blowing. The winds blow where they wish. Or as Solomon put it, the wind goes towards the south and turns around to the north. At one place, the wind is moving south and in another it is moving north. Why? It is obeying certain laws as it is blowing. How did Solomon know that? He didn't have the gadgets that we have today. But how did he do it? Well, it was God that revealed these things to him. So we have not discovered anything new today. The third statement is that all the rivers run into the sea, yet the sea is not full. You see, my friend, Solomon is tacitly speaking of the law of evaporation, of the elevation of moisture into the air. Then the wind comes along, blows that moisture over the land, and it pours out to the earth as rain. The whole process follows certain definite specific laws. There is nothing haphazard happening, although we may think so. Now, including verse 4, we have four remarkable statements concerning the laws of nature that make sense and fit right into what men know today. Compare this with other writings that come from 100 years before Christ. You will find a great deal of false conclusions and superstitions in contrast to the accuracy you find in the word of God. Here is another remarkable observation. All things are full of labor. Man cannot express it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. Ecclesiastes 1 verse 8. Now this may not have seemed true before, but since the advent of television, it is obvious. Many people watch television for hours, day in, day out. Why? Because the eye is never satisfied with seeing. The ear is never filled with hearing. Most of us like to go to new places and to see new scenes. Why? This is one of the enjoyments of life. But even when you have traveled to so many places, you still want to go elsewhere. You still want even to go back there. Why? The eye is not satisfied with seeing. Men 
cannot exhaust. However, the exploration of the universe, the more he learns, the more he sees that he should learn. The more he learns, the more he sees how much more there is to learn. And this is frustrating. The physical universe is too big for a little man. Yet man alone, of all God's creatures, as far as we know, is able to comprehend the universe. Isn't that amazing? Here is Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verse 9 to verse 11. That which has been is what will be. That which is done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which it may be said? See, this is new. It has already been in ancient times before us. There is no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of things that are to come by those who will come after. Now, you see here, People think we have come up with something new when we have manufactured a new gadget, when we came up with cars, when we came up with televisions. My friend, there is really nothing new under the sun. The environment may change. There may be new gadgets around, but there is really nothing new under the sun. Man stays the same. Only the stage or setting may vary a bit from age to age. What about your own life, my friend? Perhaps this poem rings true for your experiences as a further way to reflect on your life. Read the entire book of Ecclesiastes in a single sitting. It will probably take less than half an hour. Be sure to get the resolution that the book brings to this dark and sometimes bitter view of life. When you have finished Consider what changes in your beliefs, in your values, in your attitudes and activities might be in order for you to fear God and to keep his commandments. Life apart from God is doleful. Life apart from God is all vanity. Come to God and he will give meaning to the useless, purposeless, meaningless, empty appearance of life. You can have copies of the notes and outlines used for these Living Word for Africa programs so you can follow them as you listen. For your copies, please send a WhatsApp message or SMS to plus two seven seven two six four one four four seven five. Please say which book of the Bible you want them for and be sure to include your name and contact information. I'll repeat that number for you. It's country code 27 followed by 72641-4475. From within South Africa, it's 072-641-4475.